Welcome to the Pastor's Porch, a place where pastors encourage one another, speak freely about the Word of God, and engage in real communal relationships with the body of Christ. Hello, everybody. We want to welcome you to episode 16 of the Pastor's Porch. Today, Pastor Zach and I are going to talk about um, sanctification, and if we get into it a little bit later, we're going to talk about some convictions um, that are personal to us and kind of what that looks like as a believer in Christ. And so, um, if you know anything about the Word, if you know anything about your own relationship or relationship with Jesus in general, uh, you hear this word talked about, um, sanctification. There's a difference in um, coming to Christ in a relationship and starting a relationship with Him. And then it's the process that we all know as sanctification. And so, um, a very, very broad um, kind of term of sanctification. If you study out the scriptures, you see the word sanctification and sanctify. Um, and I'm going to kind of start today with what I see as sanctification and what I believe it means within the scriptures is this is to properly purify. So as you're thinking about that as your relationship with Christ, when you are a new believer, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you start the sanctification process, um, which is what I consider to properly purify yourself before the Lord um, as you grow in your relationship with Christ. And so we're going to get into that today, what that looks like, um, both personally to us and biblically, and then hopefully get into just some things that we see as personal convictions and convictions as we read the Word. So, yeah, as we jump into this, I'm just, I'm sitting here kind of processing the word sanctification and just, uh, I've been chasing rabbits this morning in our other Bible study, so I guess I'm going to continue. Uh, so much of the conversation around the church today is what is salvation. And I think that's important. I think it is vital. And I think in the church, there has to be clear boundaries on what is salvation because that's the importance of preaching the gospel. How does one get saved? But I think sometimes we neglect the second part of that conversation, which what is the fruit of being saved? What is, what does a saved person look like? And uh, not that our works would ever get us our salvation, but rather what does salvation testify of us? Well, to me, salvation in its purest form will then show in your life sanctification. Correct. Us being set apart, you know, for Christ. And there's so many verses that I could go to, but just some of the simple ones that come to my mind would be Joshua 3, 5, and uh, where the children of Israel are fixing to cross into the promised land. And Joshua just makes a statement, uh, basically, set yourselves apart, sanctify yourselves. Correct. Because tomorrow... God is going to do wonders among you. And, and that simple term, before they enter into the promised land, I've always correlated with our relationship with Jesus. Correct. Set ourselves apart, for the Lord will put himself on display through us. And then there's a verse in 1 Peter chapter number 3 that I hope we can dive into uh, that basically says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Right, And the second half of that verse is kind of about apologetics and we kind of make it about the presentation of the gospel. But the first portion of that verse says, set Christ as first place in our heart. 
Yeah. And sanctification in simple terms to me is first things first, Christ. Christ yeah. first setting our hearts aside for our relationship with him and for him. And uh, I just love the simplicity of that verse is set aside the Lord. Is Jesus part of your life or is he different from everything in your life? Mm-hmm. Is that the conversation of sanctification? Because to me, when I think of sanctification, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Johnny, you were talking about Joshua. Um, it also says in Second Chronicles 29.5, And he said unto them, Hear me, you Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. There you go. And I actually um, studied what this word sanctify in this sense means, and it's to make ceremonially holy. Mm. And so if you think about that, like in the times of when the scriptures were were written, sanctifying yourselves and sanctify Mm. the house of the Lord was to ceremonially prepare the house of the Lord ready for as if he was coming. Mm. And I can't help but think as it correlates in First um, Peter and in Romans and in Colossians and throughout almost all of the New Testament, yeah, tied into Revelation, mm-hmm. the coming of mm-hmm. you know the coming of Jesus mm-hmm. um, is the this process and this thought of sanctification after salvation mm-hmm. is that we need to ceremonially make ourselves ready for Jesus to come back. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but to ceremonially make him ready to be Lord mm-hmm. of our life. Like ceremonially make our bodies mm-hmm. ready mm-hmm. to make him to for him to be Lord of our life. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not something that happens overnight. Yeah. And that's that's one thing. Salvation, yes, can absolutely happen overnight. When you believe in your heart and you confess you to your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and ask for forgiveness of sin, it is immediate. That you have a relationship with Jesus. Yes. It's yes. quickening. Yeah. Um, and um, But the sanctification process is something that takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think of ceremonially making something holy. That's a process. Mm-hmm. I can't just snap fingers and make a ceremony holy. I think of a wedding, you know, that's, mm-hmm. it's a ceremony. It's not at the drop of a hat that all the decorations are up, mm-hmm. everything's prepared. That relationship is ready for somebody to walk down that path together. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a process and it's time, mm-hmm. um, and so that's something that we um, I fail at sometimes when I am um, trying to be accountable to other believers. Is that uh, the sanctification process and um, this process of what may be sin for one is not sin for another. Mm-hmm. It, it takes time. And not everybody is going to be on the same sanctification process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I think you're exactly right. The salvation, um, instantaneous salvation is something we receive as the gift, right? But Correct. then sanctification is the process of ultimately becoming more like Christ. Yes. And we don't talk about this in the church at all. And, and I, let me say this first. We're never going to be Christ. You're not going to be little messiahs. We are not going to be uh, Jesus, okay? And we are not intended to be, okay? But with that being said, the attributes and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that flows through you 
through the gifting and the blessing that the Lord is giving us, uh, the longer you live on this earth in a relationship with Jesus, the more you should reflect Jesus to the world. And that is a process. Like you said, that doesn't just, you don't just get saved on Wednesday and on Thursday, uh, all of a sudden the fruit of the Holy Spirit, just every one of them shine through you. Yeah. I mean, even, even at this point in my life, there's still times when, uh, there's other parts of the giftings and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that I'm like, Lord, I'm lacking in this area. I need your help, right? And so the reality is, as you walk with Jesus, you become more like him, whether that's compassion, grace, mercy. I mean, I think even Peter says, you brothers grow in grace, right? Like that indicates that you have to grow in grace. Correct. Well, growing in grace is part of your sanctification, Uh I was very angry, you know, 15 years ago. Angry all the time. Couldn't figure out why. Well, the longer I've walked with Jesus, the more I've walked with Jesus, the more the Lord's addressed those areas of my life. I think that's just a reality, right? I think we major so much on the first 90 minutes after salvation. Oh, absolutely. We, we, we don't talk about 10 years later. Yeah. What does your life look like? You know, how do you look? And, and... And it's not a works-based salvation. That's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Set aside in your spirit, in your inner man, in your soul. Um, changing you. Equipping you. And sanctifying you. Correct. In this present time. It's a gift. It's it, what it is. Well, it absolutely is. And, you know, you just what you just said just sparked you know a thought in me is that um, until someone is made to realize that they are dirty they would never know that they're dirty right no. that's the point of salvation mm -hmm. is the cleansing the washing a dirty heart white as snow through the blood sacrifice of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ mm -hmm. when that happens you don't want to stay dirty Right. right, I you know you think of something silly, but you think of a kid playing in the mud, okay? Right. Until a parent is like, "Oh my gosh, you're filthy!" Mm -hmm. They don't even realize it because mm -hmm. they're enjoying it, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Then when that realization comes, they start in their own minds like, "Oh yeah, I am dirty. I need to be. I need to go wash. I need to become clean." That's the sanctification mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. Is some people learn it faster than the others. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes people rolling around in the mud a couple times for them to realize, you know what, I need, I need this cleansing. And uh, that's, that's the beauty of the relationship that we have with Christ too. And I, I used to, at a, very, at a, at a younger age, um, I used to expect everybody to have the same sanctification process and the personal convictions I did. Yeah. And it took growth, and it took learning. Um, you know, it's just like parents. I mean, you you know this because your kids are older now. You can't discipline your oldest the same way you dis, or you can't discipline your youngest the same way you do your oldest. Right. They're different people. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. They're gonna learn differently from how you um, teach them. Mm -hmm. They're they're gonna learn. Hopefully, the youngers would learn from mm -hmm. something that the older did wrong and never make that mistake. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same way in our relationship with Christ and the sanctification process that we have is 
um, the way Jesus chastises us and prunes us mm-hmm. um, in our abiding relationship with Him is going to be different from everybody. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's all a part of our relationship with Christ. It's all a part of the platforms we're given. Um, it's all a part of the fruits of the Spirit that we're given, the tools, the ministry opportunities that we're given, uh, being able to reach different people through all those avenues. We all have different walks, you know. And I think that's the I think that's the thing that uh, we sometimes want to put everyone in the same box, but the reality is each and every one of us has a different walk with Christ. We have similar things happening. We have similar um, realities. But one thing we miss is is God is speaking to us through His Word. You and I may not be at the same place in our life today when we're reading His Word. We may read, um, for example. Uh, let's just talk about communion, right? So for me, communion in my life has become a huge part of the sanctification process. And you say, well, that doesn't, you know, how does that work? Well, take communion 15 years ago for me. I don't think I even understood communion, just to be honest. I don't think I understood the depth of communion. Well, now, fast forward, it's probably one of my favorite parts of my life is being able to partake of communion in the personal prayer time and the personal conviction that I have about communion and the personal looking forward to, um, to when I get to take that with Jesus. Right. And so for me, it's become part of my bigger relationship with Jesus. Like it's become part of my, I don't, I don't do it every day. I don't take communion every day, but I try to take it often. Sometimes it's in the church. Sometimes it's alone. Sometimes it's in private. But for me, that communion has become a vital part of who I am because it is, it is hewn out a part of me where I am desperately searching for the time and longing for the time that me and Jesus are together and I partake of the Last Supper with him. Now, somebody who just got saved last week may not even understand what communion yeah. means. You know, They may see, oh yes, well Jesus did pour out his blood and Okay, his body was was beaten. Well, they may not see the depth sure. of some of those things. There may be somebody else that says, man, baptism. Let's talk about baptism. There may be someone else. And you can even take that on into sin, right? You can take that over into certain sins that we see in Scripture and certain certain things. I'll never forget, man. There are, there are things when the Lord started dealing with me to preach that like he convicted me about. And I was like, well, God, why aren't you convicting nobody else about them? You know, yeah. why, why are you convicting me about this, but yeah, I don't see anyone else convicted about it? Well, that's kind of what you're talking about. Correct. Uh, certain people are going to be set aside to do certain things. And, and it may not always be preaching, right? We always, in our culture, especially in the church culture, we tend to make it about being set aside to preach. But what if, what if God's setting you aside uh, to, to be a good mom, right? Yeah. What if, what if the best version of a mom that you can be is... Maybe, maybe one drink of wine doesn't get you drunk. Okay. Maybe, maybe two glasses of wine doesn't get you drunk. Maybe, maybe this doesn't really affect you, but could it affect your witness or your children? Correct. Right. And so like, maybe it's not so much about the platform, but it is about the presence. Right. And so Mm -hmm. like, I think, I think that's what sanctification is. Absolutely. Sanctification is so personal that the hand on the, on the, on the wheel, if you will, or the, the potter's hand that is forming and molding each one of us is, is, is not only 
molding us, but chiseling us, you know? And, and I think it's a personal relationship. And we always go back to this. And then people are like, well, I want a chapter and verse for why I shouldn't smoke dope. Well, if the Holy Spirit says don't do it. That's, yes. If the Holy Spirit says stop, why do you need a chapter and a verse to follow what the Holy Spirit is speaking? Oh, that's so good. You know, I mean, I think so many times we say, well, the Bible doesn't address our smartphones. Well, okay. <laughs> the Bible doesn't address your smartphone. The Bible also doesn't tell me to not go stand in traffic. But I know yeah. by the Holy Spirit that that would be a dumb idea. So <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes we we get so caught up and we've got to have a chapter and a we verse. We make it so black and white. And when, I think there's some freedom there, yeah. Yeah, when all Jesus is saying is, hey, invite me. Well, you know, don't be stupid half the time. <laughs> I mean, that's half the time. I don't know how anybody else's relationship works. But half the time when Jesus is saying abide, he's saying, hey, Zach, yeah, don't, be, don't be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> don't, no. You know? I mean, you're absolutely right. I, But I think that goes back to, you know, chapter and verse is we become so religious and law-abiding in that. Mm-hmm. When that's exactly what Jesus came to break. Yeah. He Well, I say break. He came to fulfill. Yeah. Bible is very clear on that. Like yeah. he came to fulfill law, so that we didn't have to because he knew right. we couldn't. Yeah. And like, yes, I'm the same way at times. Like I want to be so black and white of like, show me sure. where this is. Yeah. You know, because um, it's easier to live that way. Yeah. Um. It it doesn't make us feel as convicted about things that we enjoy doing. Yeah. And you know, I'm always I'm just I'm reminded. Um. And it, it, it's simple, but yet it's so powerful is when the scripture talks about obedience is better than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked about this before, like that's a true form of worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, it scares me when people have those convictions, but yeah. choose not to follow them out. Yeah. And I believe it's in James where it talks about um, to know what is right and to mm-hmm. do it not. Yeah. To him, it is sin. Yeah. Well, just just like you talked about, um, what the Lord has convicted convicted you about, and you're like, why is He not convicted anybody mm-hmm. else about it? Somebody else to do whatever that may be may mm-hmm. not affect them, but right. for you, if you were to do it because the Lord has convicted you about it, it's sin. And we don't talk about that enough, and no. that's a part of the sanctification process for each and every individual. Is that ultimately what the Holy Spirit lays on your heart? Yeah. What God is telling you yeah. in your own relationship should be most important for your relationship yeah. with him. Yeah. And not so much about, well, the scripture doesn't say that. Well, right. yeah, but you're absolutely right. Like common sense says, don't go stand out in the middle of traffic. Right. You know, and I think that's the conversation that we need to have as a body of Christ more often is there are there are things biblically taught to stay away from. Sure. Yeah. Okay. There are those foundational core things that the Bible is very clear on. Um, Flee fornication, flee sexual immorality, Mm -hmm. fleeing uh, adultery, fleeing drunkenness. Um, All all of, there's, we could go on and on and on talking about those different things. But uh, that's not not the point of this today. The point of this today is, and you said it so well, is that whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting you, you need to listen to. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a part of the sanctification process and the abiding relationship that we have in our personal relationship with Jesus that is important. Mm-hmm. And there's things that for, for my wife and I in our relationship that um, 
I would love to do mm-hmm. for us. But the Lord is convicted about us about some of those things. And that's one thing that Courtney and I have grown in is the fact that, you know what, what the Lord is asking us to give up, and what the Lord is asking us to get rid of, mm-hmm. isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't say this statement pridefully or arrogantly. I, I say it from a, a place of humility. But there, the way my wife and I live our lives and lead our children, a lot of people couldn't do. And I, I don't say that from a, a prideful standpoint. I say that from a, a standpoint of the relationship that we have with Jesus, mm-hmm. what he is asking and calling us. And it's probably the same for you mm-hmm. and, and your wife and your family. And I, I don't say that because it's like, oh, you couldn't do what I could do. Like, I, I can do it. But that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying the relationship that we have with Jesus has brought us to a place to where we are supposed to stand out and be set apart that – for us, if we indulge in some of the things that we would like to, mm-hmm. it, the Lord has called us from those things. Yeah. And and I'm thankful for that. And at the same time, my flesh is like mad yeah. and upset yeah. at some of those things. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's a part of the sanctification process. And it's a part of those personal convictions that mm-hmm. we have in our relationship with Christ. And, you know, one thing that... Courtney and I had to learn together, um, and this kind of a, a rabbit that it ties into this is we as humans categorize sin. Mm-hmm. We have this hierarchy of sin. Sure. We believe if somebody murders or if somebody is out getting drunk all the time or, mm-hmm. or being slanderous mm-hmm. with their words, like it's like way up there. Mm-hmm. But if I'm gluttonous, it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And so our culture, that's, that's it's a part yeah, of the yeah. cultural Christianity. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Sin is sin is in God's mm-hmm. eyes. And so I had to learn in my own sanctification process um, and grow in wisdom is that, you know what, Lord, like you have to deal with those individuals just as you need to deal with me on something that I see minute, but it's still sin before your eyes. Well, and there's a there's a lot there. And the one thing I would say I wanted to say earlier was uh, understand us. I think most people know us that listen to this, and maybe maybe people don't. But if Scripture says don't do something, don't do it. Okay, <laughs> like I'm not saying you. I'm not saying that you're the voice of the Holy Spirit, um, or what you perceive as the Holy Spirit outweighs Scripture. Right? Like Scripture's not changing. So if what you're saying is a conviction of yours that doesn't line up with Scripture you're hearing from the enemy because what the Holy Spirit convicts you of is going to line up with, with scripture. Correct. It's just yes. going to. And so uh, you don't get to change marriage. You don't get to change the laws on abortion. You don't get to change the laws about uh, this is okay now. God doesn't care about this anymore. No, no. If scripture calls you to not do it, mm-hmm. especially uh, clearly marked in the New Testament, you know, where we're not under the law anymore and this sort of thing. I'm not talking about issues of the law. I'm talking about uh, under the new covenant, when scripture calls you to not do something, you don't get to change it. Right. I think, I think everyone knows our hearts when we communicate that, but I just want to make that disclaimer. The second thing I would tell you is, um, you know, when you begin talking about your personal walk, um, you know, just pastor to pastor, man to man, this is what I would say to you is nobody will know the cost of your oil. Right. Mm -hmm. Like every person who has ever used great from God in the scripture Every single person, I can take you to the scripture through the Holy Spirit and show you a great crushing. 
Yeah. Like, and you and I have talked about this privately. Every person used of God in the scripture experienced some measure of crushing. Yeah. And for those of you that are listening to me talk right now, and you say, well, maybe that's not true. Go find me someone. Go find me Noah. Go find me Moses. Go find me David. Go find me Elisha. Go find me um, Paul. Go find me Peter. Jesus, even. Yeah. I mean, experience, I mean, not to mention his crucifixion, his, his torment. Correct. Ex- Matthew chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Uh, yeah. Go to the garden, right? Yep. Um, you know, um, go on from there. You know, Timothy, you know, Titus, uh, Philemon. You know, I mean, there's all this. There's all these people, John, you know, on the Isle of Patmos. I mean, really, yeah. find me someone in the Bible who was doing things for God who didn't experience some level of yeah. crushing. And every person you find, Rahab, you know, Lot, you know, I mean, I mean, literally any person, Abraham, I mean, any person you find in Scripture has experienced some measure of, well, what happens? It's exactly what you're talking about earlier in John chapter number 15. Man, what produces the finest oil? What produces the finest fruit? You know, somebody was teaching me about gardening the other day, and they were talking about how this, this plant, we were going to grow it, and it was going to be this, this uh, great, big, strong plant. And they said, now what's going to happen is the first time, I don't even know what it was, if it was um, some form of winter lettuce-type situation. I don't remember if it was cilantro or what it was, but they were telling me about it. Um and it's probably not cilantro, so don't Google that. But uh, three were going to come up, right? And they said, whatever you do, when those three sprout, take away the two weakest ones. Take away the two because those two that are weaker are drawing away from the mm. growth that's going to happen so in the good. strong one, right? Well, that's pruning in the simplest form. Yeah. So what if some of the things that God asked you not to do wasn't God standing over you with a gavel saying, T, don't do this, right? But rather it was, T, I want the finest things to come out of you, so I'm going to take some things from you, mm-hmm. right? I've not regretted not drinking for the last 13 years or however long it's been now. 12. 12 years. November, I think, will be 13 years. I've not regretted that. You know, I would be a liar if I said at some point in the last 13 years I didn't walk by the beer section at the store and think, Man, I used to drink a nice cold beer, right? But here I am in the clearest form of thought I can give you. I don't regret it because God taking that from me, God removing that from my life, I know brought better things out of my life. If it's nothing other than my kids don't struggle with the drink or someone in the church gave up the drink because they heard my testimony or somebody I don't even know that I was preaching to and somewhere else that, that I've never even met, gave up the drink and could walk in the freedom in Jesus. Yeah. Then why did God take it from me? Because he wanted something out of me. Correct. And so why does God take anything from us? Because he's trying to get the purest, uh, uh, most fine oil, if you will, out of us. And I think that's what we miss, man, is his sanctification is not yeah. a punishment. No, it's, it's not. It's not a punishment. No, it's it, not. It, it's a setup. It really is truly a mm-hmm. setup. And uh, go find those guys. Go study Peter, you know, go study those, uh, uh, you know, those uh, uh, martyrs we studied a few weeks ago in, or a few months ago in Revelation. You know, go study those guys and what came from them being killed for the gospel. We're still talking about them, you yeah. know, uh, thousands of years later. We're still talking uh, every about every single one of them were martyred except for John, which I mean, yeah. he got 
booted out to an island I mean, by we himself. We might have rather been martyred, man. Dude, I, we we, we might have rather been. I mean, like, but no, you're man. That's so spot on. And what I think a lot of us, what I think a lot of us fail at to realize is this is should be a part of everybody's life. Yeah, not just the pastor. It's not just the pastors. Yeah. It's not just the, yeah. the worship leader. It's not just those who have a, a place of serving within the church. Like, this is a part of everybody who is an abiding Christ. in yeah. pro- relationship and professing Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because, yeah, some people may not get what you would consider the, quote, platform right. of others, but you're all ministering to somebody. Everyone. Everybody is ministering to somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you use the example uh, of, of a mom, um, but an uncle, an aunt, sure. a, yeah. a grandmother, yeah. um, a, a friend. Mm-hmm. Like, it's important mm-hmm. in the sanctification process um, to be set apart. Mm-hmm. To be set apart. And that's, uh, you know, you go read the scripture, it says to be set apart. Yeah. Um, to be ye holy, for I right. am holy. Yeah. And there, this is a part. Uh, it's important in each and of our relationships with Christ through this process. Mm-hmm. And you know, in a way, we've talked about some of our own personal convictions through this. Is uh, what you're convicted about, somebody else isn't. Okay. Yeah. Whatever Jesus is, is asking, whatever the Holy Spirit is asking of you, yeah. is ultimately what's most important. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think there's benefit in having those conversations with other people, mm-hmm. not. For a standpoint of saying, hey, I live this way, so you should too. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important because now it sparks a prayer. Mm-hmm. Now it sparks a conversation. Now it sparks a why. Mm-hmm. What is your reason of why you set these things aside? Mm-hmm. And it sparks an opportunity for now the Holy Spirit to deal with that individual with that. And mm-hmm. you know what? Some people may be able to take that and say, you know what? That's not what God is asking me to at this point. Great, mm-hmm. great. But now that can be a conversation starter for, for somebody else's relationship that may be struggling with that, that that doesn't see the bigger picture of that it affects more than just who they are. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that's that's important. And one thing that just comes to mind for, for myself is I read Romans 12, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So that you, excuse me, it says, and be not conformed to this world, but by the transfer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Mm. And for me, like this now means so much more in my relationship with Christ than it did when I was ten years old, twelve mm-hmm. years old, presenting myself as a living sacrifice. Well, when I was 10, 12 years old, I just thought, okay, well, God's just asking me to do things for him when he asks, when he, right. when he calls me to it. But now for my own life, it, it so much more. It's it's how I dress. It's how I look. It's what I eat. It's, it's what I do. It's what I watch. It's what I listen to. It's everything that I put myself a part of. Mm-hmm. That's what it is for me now. And you know what? It's not wrong if somebody says, well, a living sacrifice, well, just how do I serve Christ? There's nothing wrong if they take it out of that at that point. But now in my personal conviction, in my personal walk, it's, um, you know, what filthiness am I allowing in that is taking a precedent over things of God? 
Yeah, well, that's a, you know, one of the first books I read about 13, 14 years ago, uh, probably 13 years ago or so, when I first started preaching was this statement was specifically about preaching a sermon. Um, it said, every sermon you preach should push through and circle back to the cross. Yep. And, um, and I believe that. I believe that. If you're going to stand up and talk in front of people, you know, you, they don't need 30 minutes on my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings. They need 30 minutes of Jesus, right? They need 40 minutes of Jesus, of the cross and of the Calvary. But also, what about this? When is the last time we looked at our relationship with Jesus? When you talk about sanctification, should we not go to the cross every day? Mm-hmm. Should we not intersect, interweave, bow down, lay down um, before Jesus every day? And I think I think what you said there talking about Romans 12, 1 and 2 is maturation, right? Yeah. Well, you know, when you were a child, you thought like a child. You know? Correct. But when you became a man, uh, God put man-sized thoughts in you mm-hmm. because of your relationship with him. Now... We grow at different rates. You were raised in a pastor's house. My kids were raised in a pastor's house. It doesn't mean that my kids are any better. It doesn't mean that you're any better. It doesn't mean you're any worse. It doesn't mean just reality. You were probably exposed to the gospel more times growing up than many adult Americans have been. Correct. Right? Um, no doubt. I know, I know talking to my children, they're exposed to the gospel, whether it's at church, youth group, small group a home group, our Bible studies, my own studies, dinner table. I know my kids are exposed to the gospel more than other kids. I'm not a fool. I, I believe that. But sometimes that exposure is what calls us, right? That exposure yeah. is what cries out to us. The exposure is the relationship. And and so as we grow, this this should not be a condemning thing. This should be a freedom thing. Absolutely. You know, I mean, this, yeah. this is this is not a, okay, do these four things this way, do these three things this way, and do these two things this way, and then hop on one leg, and then you're sanctified. This is, <laughs> this is you have freedom in Jesus. Yep. But whatever that area is that Jesus is trying to touch, let him touch it. Yeah. We're going to have to do another one of these ones. I can already tell. Well, I, <laughs> we don't have time to go in it today. Maybe we'll just have to save it for the following week but one of the biggest things that helped me learn this is um during my junior year of college i traveled around for six weeks doing church camps all over the states Mm -hmm. one of the church camps i went to they we always had a staff and leader meeting at the at the camp Mm -hmm. um to start the day before we um had time with kids and stuff and it was it was beautiful and so um one of the things we did in one of our staff meetings was um, we put a chart up of babies, children, young adults, adults. Mm-hmm. And we just went around the room and listed qualities and characteristics and things that involved each one of those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, for a baby, um, they were nurtured. They right. you know, had to be cared for. Right. Just different, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that as, as a physical and personal thing. And then we shifted our focus and did that same thing with a spiritual yeah, mindset. I love it. 
and it blew it, it blew my mind yeah. honestly yeah because it we were able to take the things that we mm-hmm. saw on the physical mm-hmm. and apply them to spiritually sure and it completely changed my mindset of the sanctification process in each and every one each and every believer in their maturation that's good. through christ and so mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I can talk about some of that. You know, it's good homework. Another one. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's, it, it is a good homework. We should think on that. Yeah, it 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 completely changed my mindset and helped me understand how to reach and talk to individuals in their relationship with Christ they based were. off yeah. of whatever category they they were. Amen. You know, you Amen. just very quickly you think about a baby. They need fed. They need nurture. Mm-hmm. They need they need mm-hmm. bathed. Well, think about a baby in Christ. Sure. They need fed. Yeah. They need nurtured. They need bathed mm-hmm. uh, on how to study, how to read, what's mm-hmm. important. And so mm-hmm. we don't have time to go into that today. But it, it helped me in everything that we were talking about. It helped me in my sanctification process, my, my own personal convictions, and then how to reach and talk with others mm-hmm. in Christ. And so, Amen. Well, we'll have to get back on that on the next episode. Man, that... that, that these are conversations that we need to have, and this was the whole heart behind the podcast, was to have conversations that needed to be had to talk about these things. And so thank you guys for joining us. I pray that you have a wonderful week, and I pray that you join us back here next time on The Pastor's Porch. Thanks for listening to The Pastor's Porch. If you don't have a church home, come join us at Unity Covenant Church in West Fork, Arkansas. We would love to have you. Thank you for your continual support to this podcast. Please stay tuned for more episodes. Have a great day and God bless.